Good morning, everyone. Welcome. If you're here for the very first time, we would invite you to check out the I'm New desk in the foyer. We have a gift for you, and it would be our privilege to get the chance to, to meet you a little bit here uh, today. We're looking forward to next Sunday for our International Sunday and uh, the food market that will go with it. Also, Deacon Ashish Prem Kumar will be speaking that Sunday, so we're so excited for that. And then the week following, April 30th, we're looking forward to having Renee Embray back with us. Renee served here as an associate pastor for six years, and she'll be back uh, preaching at both our 9.30 and our 11 o'clock service, so we're looking forward to, to that as well. Um, today's also an exciting day because for those of you who are hockey fans, the playoffs are here. They start tomorrow night, and after six months, my playoff beard has finally grown in, so I think we're ready for uh, the postseason. Now, last Sunday was Easter Sunday, and so we were th thinking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and remembering the impact that it has on all of our, on all of our lives. And today I want us to think about the church. I want us to think about uh, the local church. Um, and I always say to people, the most important thing about the church is how you think about it. How is it that you think about the local church? Uh, for some of you, maybe the local church, you think about it, well, that's the place I go to get away from the world. It's the place I go to get away from things and everything that's going wrong in the world, I go to the church and if I can get really busy there, I can probably be out every night of the week at the church and then it's just my place to kind of escape. For some of you, you might think uh, that the church is the place, well, it's just for people with really strong faith. The place, it's the place for Christians, strong Christians, people who have their life together and who don't have any problems. And maybe that has actually kept you from attending church for a while because that was your perception. For others, it's just, look, it's all about love, man. I mean, you just, it doesn't matter what you believe. You just show up. It's all good. And, you know, faith isn't really important. All that matters is you're nice to each other. Um, and to which I always say to people, you know, God loves you and loves you without conditions, but he loves you so much that he will not leave you in that condition. And he will always love us forward. Others, people, they think the church is kind of an archaic organization. It's probably what's wrong with the world. And the church has been the source of so many evils throughout humanity. And certainly the church has all kinds of blemishes. And we are guilty of all kinds of different things. There's an interesting statistic that uh, will cheer you up. This is uh, the, the trajectory of church attendance some, since 1946 in Canada. Isn't that chipper? So if you know, by, about 90, or by, by the year 2030, it's all going to be done, according to uh, these statisticians. Um, that the, most people in Canadian culture, church attendance is on the decline, uh, and that gatherings for worship like we are here today are slowly but slowly becoming less and less relevant to everyday life. And there's two kind of particular groups in this subset of, of folks. One are the religious nuns, N-O-N-E. Uh, the people who would say that I no longer claim any religious affiliation. If you were to ask me, I would just say none. No thanks. The other is the Duns, D-O-N-E. And those are the people who would say, you know, I tried church. I went to church. And I'm done with church now. They had a bad experience. Something happened. There was a circumstance, a situation, all kinds of various stories. But the result is, as you can see here, that overall in Canada, it seems that church attendance is not something uh, that has a long lifespan to it. Of course, people have been saying this about the church for hundreds and hundreds of years. And yet here we are this morning. But what do you think of when you think of church? Because it really, really matters. Last weekend... Easter weekend, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And while Easter sometimes kind of feels like the ending of the story, Jesus was dead and now he's alive, yay, the story's over, it's actually the beginning of the story. 
because it's the beginning of the story of the church. And that when Christ is resurrected, he calls his followers now to continue the work that he himself had begun. And so in the resurrection forward, Jesus calls you and I as his followers to now represent him and to continue the work that he began. Let me read for you his, his final words to us in Matthew chapter 28. They'll also appear here on the screen. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go. Get out of here. Get moving. Stop sitting around. Move. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, you can count on this, I'm with you until the very end of the age. And so for the next few minutes, I just want to talk a little bit about what it means to be a local church in 2023. And if you're new to church, maybe this will be helpful to you. If you've been here a long time, maybe this will act like a little bit of a refresher course or a refresher for us. Um, because Jesus unapologetically gives every local church on planet Earth the same mission and the same mandate, and that is to go into the world and to make disciples, to invite people into a life of faith, to invite people to surrender to Jesus as Lord and take up his work in the world. But every local church tailors it a little bit uniquely given their location, their context, their history, and the people that attend the church. And for us, when we talk about our church, we talk about the three C's. As we think about making disciples, we think of it in three C's, celebrate, connect, and contribute. And every church has a similar model or similar kind of acronym, you know, three Ds, four Ps, something like that. But every church has something that they kind of use to kind of say, these are the things that we need to do if we are going to continue the work that Jesus has given to us. And the first is this, celebrate. Uh, and this is my favorite, um, worship. That on planet Earth, all over the world today, there's people gathering together to celebrate that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, that he is the King of kings, that he's the Lord of lords, that he is our hope for salvation all over the earth, all over the place. People are gathering today to do just what we're doing here to celebrate. At no point in the history of the church have they kind of said, you know, the worship thing, I think we're done with it. That was good for a season, but time to move on to something more exciting. Ever since that Jesus has been resurrected, people have been gathering together to worship. Because for a local church, for our identity, it starts with God. It starts with Him. It, everything is built upon Him. Worship or God-centeredness is the essential starting place for a local church. Because this is not about us. This is primarily about Him. And so there's a spirit of gathering together, remembering that God has called us, he's loved us, he has redeemed us, he's commissioned us, and so everything now from us is about responding to his goodness in our lives in worship. That worship is a response. We do not come here and ask God to show up and hang out with us for a little bit. He's always been here. We enter into his presence. We join him in what he's already doing, and we respond in worship because of who he is. The word worship, it comes from the old English word worth-ship. 
and you cannot, it doesn't take you long to realize why they drop that extra TH in there. Welcome to worship today. It would be, uh, you know, it's a hard word to say. But God, it's all about ascribing worth to God for who he is and what he has done. I think about the line to the old hymn that we sang on Good Friday. Love so amazing, love so divine, it demands my life, my soul, my all. And so we gather here on a weekly basis because God's love demands that we respond by giving to him first and giving all that we have to him. But something happens too when we're worshiping. We are reoriented. There's a reordering in our lives that takes place as well. Life has a way of beating us up. I mean, you can leave here at like 12.05 and get a phone call. And some of the important things that have happened here in this time can be forgotten. You show up for three days of work, and after three days of work, it feels like you're lost all over again. When we gather for worship, it's like it's, we're being reoriented again, being reminded about what's most important, being reminded that God is with us, that he hasn't given up on us, that all of our faults and failures are not the end of the story, and we need that reminder on a regular basis. You think about a jet if it takes off from St. John Airport flying to Los Angeles. If it's off by one degree, you don't get anywhere close to L.A. In the same way, life, we can get off course so easily. And the weekly gathering of coming together and being reminded who God is and who we are, who God is and who we are, reorients us back to and centers us again. And as we do that, our hearts are refreshed. Our spirits are renewed. Our faith is strengthened. And maybe it's a lyric from the song. Maybe it's a prayer. Maybe it's a scripture that's read. Maybe it's a visit with someone. Maybe it's watching someone else worship. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I've come in on Sundays, and I stand over here, and I think, I don't know if I want to be here today. I don't know if I've got the strength to do what's needed today. My mind is distracted. My mind is thinking about a thousand other things. And then I look over and I see one of you. And you're worshiping. And you're giving your praises to God. And your worship inspires me to worship. Your worship pulls me back away from myself and says, this time is about the Lord's. And that's why it's so important that we gather together. It's not just about me coming for my thing. We get to come and we, through our own worship, through our words of encouragement, through the time that we spend in our conversations with people, have the opportunity to lift and move and renew the spirits of other people. And our faith is renewed as we do. Worship is also a witness to our city. We like to talk about ourselves as a beautiful community. And that Sunday morning is like Sunday lunch. Maybe if you grew up in a, in, in a day when grandparents and aunts and uncles and all the family got together for one meal once a week and everybody was around the family table, squished in, maybe there was a kiddie table. That's what Sunday worship is. We're bringing the whole church together, the whole church together for one hour of worship. Because there's going to be a day in heaven when we all worship together anyway. So we're learning to figure out how to do that now on this side of eternity. Rich, poor, saints, sinners, all languages, all ages, all together, gathered under the lordship of Christ, giving testimony to the world around us of the unity that is found in Christ. So celebrating. That's our first C. But it's not easy. There's a couple of, there's many challenges. Let me just mention two. One is the temptation and the impact of consumerism 
on all of our thinking. We live in a culture that is built on consumerism. I mean, if I go into a store and they don't do exactly what I want in exactly the time frame that I want them to do it, in exactly the price and the color and the style, I'm never going back there again. And I might even write a review about it. How could they not tailor the entirety of their corporate empire to me? Right? We walk into a place and if they don't do it exactly like we want, we just don't go back. That is how we think about everything in everyday life. And it's so easy for us to take that kind of thinking and turn it into our time together as a church family. That this just better be about me. Now, I always like to joke with people um, that my job as the senior pastor is not to make a Sunday morning worship experience exactly the way I would like it to be meaning my exact specific song list, my exact style, my exact length, my exact everything. Now, if I did do that, it would be awesome, okay? (laughs) And the 12 other people that would be here would think so too. I sometimes, I remember teasing a guy one time, he was talking to me about music style. I said, have you ever wondered if, what if you get to heaven and it's like Gregorian chant? and it's not the worship style of your preference, might you survive? It's not my job. This is not about me. This is not about you. This is about gathering together, creating space and opportunity for God's people to give thanks to him for all he's done. The second challenge is that in the last three years, worship became a spectator sport. That we sat and we watched And we sat at home, and maybe we were like, oh, Nylon's on mute. All right, I'm going to check Twitter while he's done, and then when he's done, we'll unmute it again. And we're going to fast forward to this part. I don't like this part. I don't like this. This is not my thing. For two and a half years, we sat in environments where worship became a spectator sport. And it's time to re-engage again. Worship is a participatory action. We come, we bring the whole of ourselves to the Lord, and we give our hearts to him, and we enter into worship, we enter into community, we visit with people, we make connections with people, and we take the time to do that. And I'm so grateful for all of you. In fact, this morning, if you're involved of any of our worship ministries, whether it's in the tech side or music side, whether you're tearing down chairs after the service, setting up chairs for the service, or involved in any of our hospitality, coffee-making, greeters, any of those ministries, would you raise your hand this morning? Do you do any of those things? Thank you because you make this morning happen. So celebrating. The next is connecting. Uh, This one's my favorite as well. God is not in the interest in building a large group of people who go to the same church on Sunday. From the very beginning of the church, God has always been trying to build community and a family out of the church. And if you think of the very, very first church as it was gathered together, they were a group of people who held very little in common other than their faith in Jesus Christ. Let me read for you a passage from Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read verse 45, just 46 is on the screen. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. One of the things that becomes evident as you study the history of the early church is that spiritual transformation happened in community. It happened in smaller groups outside of the Sunday morning worship experience. 
that it happened in gatherings and through friendships and through people meeting together in homes, praying together, walking together, having coffee together, that it was in these settings that spiritual transformation took place. And it took place because people were learning how to be a family together when they were nothing alike. I had someone say to me after the Good Friday service, you know, on Good Friday we have the worship center set up in the round with a communion table in the middle so you can kind of see everybody in the room. And um, the person said to me, you know, I looked around the room and I recognized I knew about 40 or 50 people max in the whole room of 300. They said, you know, our church has changed so much in the last few years. Our church is more like the first century church in Palestine today than it was, than it is compared to the church at Main Street 50 years ago. There's been such dramatic change in our city and in the life of our congregation. And the question then becomes, how do we become a family? Because the Holy Spirit is always going to be pulling us together and trying to knit us together as a family. And it's in these settings that we grow in our faith, that we grow as disciples. You need others, they need you. They need your gifts used, you need to use your gifts. You need their challenge, they need your challenge. You need to pray for them, they need to pray for you. You need to walk with them through their dark night of the soul and vice versa. God designed us to grow spiritually in community. No, once I remember someone coming to me and saying, you know, um, I don't know that I like my life group. You know, my, the small group that I'm a part of, I'm not sure it's working for me. There's one person there, and I think they're just there for the food. Um, I mean, they just eat the whole time. Uh, they're just so happy not to have cooked supper that night and do dishes. Uh, there's another person there. They're a know-it-all. They think they have the answer to everything, and they just always have to give an answer. Uh, there's someone else There's a bit charismatic. You know, they're always finding Jesus in the taco shell, and, you know, they just kind of, like, weirding me out. There's someone else that's there. I, pretty much convinced that they're there to meet a spouse, right? And they kind of came up and said, I don't think this is a group for me. And I said, no, it's a great group. Think of the potential for you to grow spiritually in this group in the areas of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. You can't learn that in a Bible class somewhere. You can learn that only in the context of doing life with real people. God designed us to grow in community. And so where are you growing? Where are you connected outside of Sunday morning? I often say to people, River Cross won't feel like your home until you find a place to connect outside of Sunday morning, whether that's being in a group or volunteering somehow. We mentioned earlier that at 11 o'clock next Sunday, there's going to be a Bible study class across the hall uh, by Bill Shaw. We encourage you to go there if you don't have a place. There's a 50-plus event coming up. Go, meet some people, get to know some people in the life of your church family. We're starting new life groups. Admittedly, we're behind the curve and struggling to keep up with all of the new people, but we are working on it. So let us know if you'd be interested and bear with us because we're going we're gonna to get there eventually. So that's connecting. It's the place where we grow spiritually, but it's not easy. And there's some unique challenges to it as well. And the one that comes to mind really is the word pride. I don't know if you caught it, but when I read the passage from Acts chapter 2, it said, as each one had need. As each one admitted, I can't do it on my own. As each one admitted, I've got questions, I'm struggling, I'm trying to figure things out, and it's not making sense to me. As each one said, you know what? Um, I've tried to be do everything in my own strength and in my own power, and it's not working anymore. 
And then we get to that place where we're willing to say, I need help, I need friends, I need encouragement, I need people to help me see things I can't see. Only then can we truly start to grow in our faith. And so this morning, if you are involved in a life group, if you're involved in any of our River Kids ministries or working in our nursery, um, if you're involved in Friendly Fellowship 50 Plus, would you raise your hand this morning? Yes, don't be shy. Nice. Thank you very much for all that you do to create spaces and opportunities for people to grow in their faith. The last one, contribute. Celebrate, connect, and contribute. This is about that God called us to be on mission in the world. That the church is not a holy huddle. It's not a place to go and hide away from the awful world. It's not a place for the saints to hang out and sing hymns until Jesus comes back someday. Jesus called us to go, to move, to get after it, to get out of your comfort zones. Put down all your stuff and get moving. Do something. He's called us to go. I love this quote. I know some of you are sick of me quoting it, but too bad. Erwin um, McManus, some people think the church is for them. But in reality, we are the church and we exist for the world. And the world needs the church, to be the best version of itself. The church is never to be static. It's not to be a building. It's to be a community of people where God is ruling in their lives and who are experiencing the life of the kingdom now and living it on display for the rest of the world to see. That it's a place where lives are being restored and redeemed, where there's healing, where God is reclaiming our lives from sin and brokenness, where God's will supersedes the things that we want to do and our will. The place where we offer ourselves in service and love and care to our neighbors. In Genesis chapter 12, God called Abram, who was a pagan Gentile, to go and be his first missionary. And Abram goes and from that point on, God has been calling his people to get moving, to get going, to leave your places of comfort, that the church is not the place to hide out. You come here today, great, then go. Go to where you live, work, and play, and be the light of Christ wherever you are found. This is our calling. And our world needs people to go more than ever. But again, this is not easy. There's a challenge to contributing as well. And I used to think, you know, if you'd asked me a number of years ago, I would have said, the challenge is busyness. Everybody's too busy. But I've changed my thinking on that. It's not busyness. We all have time to do the things that are most important to us. We will always do the things that matter most. The challenge is prioritizing it. Making God's mission a priority in our life, looking for opportunities where God can put me to work, use my gifts, use my abilities to serve other people. It's not about busyness. It's about priority. And the last few years have been difficult for that because we haven't needed volunteers in the way that we used to. And our church, you know, I'll brag a little about you, um, we were above industry standards or averages for a number of volunteers for a congregation of our size. Most congregations our size would operate by the 80-20 rule, that 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. That was really never true. You've, we were well above that. We had way more people involved than most local churches. But that's not the case right now. Uh, we still have a number of people who have not returned to serving. And we have a number of places 
um, where we are very, very close to not being able to operate some of our ministries. You know, you've heard me joke before. We're a sneeze away from shutting something down because we just don't have the volunteers that we used to have. Tellers, nursery workers, youth leaders, people to set up chairs on Sunday, bus drivers, and others. We have a large list. If you're thinking, you know what, maybe... Maybe it's time for me. We have a whole page on our website called The Current. If you go to it, it's like so easy. It just explains everything, anything that you might like to be involved in. It explains how to do your next steps. So while I've mentioned that, let me just say, how many of you here today, and raise your hand, if you're involved in serving in some way, I think of Hope Mission, community outreach work, um, Chinese outreach ministry, any of our kids or our youth ministries, raise your hand today if you're involved in those things. Thank you. Thank you. Celebrate, connect, and contribute. These are the things that we are about. Last Sunday, we talked about the resurrection of Jesus. Today, we talk about the church. Because when Jesus was resurrected, he commissioned his followers to continue what he was doing in the world. To not give up, to not be discouraged, to not lose hope. Yes, it'll be difficult. Every generation has its difficulties. We have no, nothing to fear. Go and do the things that he has called us to do. And it's that we think about ourselves in the right ways. You are not going to church. You are the church. And everywhere you go, everywhere you work, everywhere you hang out socially, you are the church. You are a representative of Christ in that space. A number of years ago, um, 17 years ago, actually, this July, I was a part of a group of people that were, it was a global gathering of Baptists. I know, it sounds like a wild party. Um, it was a global gathering of Baptists, and we were meeting in Birmingham, England. And um, so I was flying over, and I was flying all night, and I was supposed to land at nine, and then the meeting was that evening. And in these events, everybody dresses up. I should, you know, most other cultures around the world, except in North America, people dress up for church. And in these gatherings, everybody wore their Sunday best. Well, even my North American Sunday best was not best enough. So I had packed a really nice outfit to wear when I got there. Uh, but I flew in my jeans and I flew in my t-shirt. I got there early morning into London, was supposed to go up to Birmingham for the event. And this will shock some of you, but Air Canada lost my luggage. Um, and I didn't get it back for the entire five days that I was there. So I was self-conscious. I didn't want to be the North American that shows up at this international gathering in the jeans and t-shirt, kind of disrespectful. And so I decided I'm going to sit all alone way up in the rafters of the arena that we were meeting in. And so I went way up to the top rafters and I sat there all by myself. And it became kind of this special moment because I was undistracted by the people around me and I just was kind of alone. And God really spoke to me in that, in that evening. The, the speaker that night kind of walked through the scriptures from the very beginning to the very end, looking at places where God was present in the scriptures. Thinking about the Garden of Eden, where God was present with his people. And uh, he talked about, you know, from the, God's presence in the Garden of Eden, um, there was a river that flowed. And as that river flowed, everything that water touched came to life. And he went through multiple passages, ultimately ending in the passage in, the, in Revelation chapter 21 and 22, where it talks about in the new heaven and the new earth, God's presence will be so rich there. But from his presence, there will flow outward, going out a river. And everything that that river touches, it will bring healing to it. 
And then he took us to Ezekiel chapter 47. And Ezekiel was a Jewish prophet in such a difficult day. And um, Ezekiel in one time had this vision of a new temple being built. The temple, the place where God lives. And from that temple, underneath it would flow out this river. And this river would bring life to everything that it touched. And in fact, in verse 9 is one of my favorite verses. It said, Ezekiel wrote this, where the river flows, life abounds. And I was sitting in that arena all by myself up in the rafters, and I remember like the Lord said to me, what if that was the church? What if that's what it meant to be a part of a local congregation? That everywhere the local church was active, it was bringing dead things back to life dead lives back to life, dead marriages back to life, hopeless people back to faith, broken people moving them towards healing, lonely people bringing them into community, people with no purpose in life other than to make myself happy, realizing there's a greater purpose to this one life that the Lord has given to us. What if that was us? This is an opportunity as a local church in this day for you and I to rethink how we think about ourselves. And that we would remember that God has called us to be his blessing in the world today. I'm going to ask the team to come up and we're going to close here. I just want you to think, you know, while, while we're singing this final song this morning, we've talked about celebrating, connecting, and contributing. And maybe there's one of these areas that maybe the Lord has stirred up some things in your heart that you need to pay attention to. And I would just encourage you to do so. And if we can be any help with you as you sort that out, that would be our honor. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we are humbled that as you were resurrected and getting ready to ascend, you would call us to represent you in the world today. That as you think about the life that your spirit came to create in each and every one of us, the, the kingdom here and now, heaven experienced today, that you would call us to put that on display for others to see. As a way of invitation, the people would know, God, how it is that you feel about them, that you love them and care for them, that you have a place for them, that you have not given up on them, and that we would somehow, through the way we organize ourselves and treat each other and serve in the world, people would see that. And so we pray, God, that you would do something new in this exciting new season, and that we would be open to rethinking but what it means to be your people today.